Hello, this is Speaks Loud in the Words, episode 13, and I'm your host, Dave Reed. Today we had Bully come in, and he had a lot to say about songwriting, touring with JLS and N-dubs, and even trying to take up the clarinet when he was eight. Don't forget you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash UK and Twitter, Warner underscore Chapel, Chapel spelled C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L. Well, Bully, thank you so much for sitting down with us and having a chat about your songwriting. We're going to go right back to the beginning, okay. like you just said. So let's talk about your parents and what did they listen to um, way back when... Way back much, when? Yeah, when you were, when you were really little and, and young. Well, I sort of... My, my, my early memories are of sort of... of Queen, The Police, Cat Stevens, all that sort of thing. So really sort of... Really strong melodic pop, I guess, which has really influenced me mm. early on from my parents and I guess when you're when you're that young you're sort of forced to listen to what they listen to but I'm sort of glad of that you know because you know I still love Queen Records and, I st- and I've, I'm a big fan of The Police and yeah, Sting yeah, great stuff. Summer Sting stuff then when I moved into my teens uh, I got really influenced and sort of just got just taken over by the, the new sort of drum and bass scene I, I started DJing and just I was just absolutely Amused by this sound that I'd heard, you know, this sort of this this dirty bass line and this drum, and I just had no idea how it was made, and it was like really hooky as well. I mean, the bass line, just, the the drum and bass was predominantly the hook line would be the bass, so the melody it would be a really catchy bass or a little synth sound that was, and I just fell in love with it. So big Ronnie Size fan, listened to Goldie and DJ Die, and you know that that was my like, I guess that was my escape from my parents music that was my thing when i was like you know that whole culture that scene that just, just took over me how old am i yeah yeah i was i uh, 15 i got i think basically I, I fell in love with the whole djing thing so i had this old record deck like that had no sort of pitch control on it or anything and uh i got a tape player with like a, a drum and bass tape and i bought a record and i managed to like mix this I was mixing in with Mike speeding up this record deck. So I managed to convince my parents to buy me a set of cheap decks and that was it. I was just making mixtapes every day. And I hadn't even got into producing then or anything like that. But then I first started, there was a program on like Windows called like Wave Program or something. It wasn't like a multi-track recording software. It was just a single track Wave thing. But you could change this, the, this, the, the length of the, say, a four-bar loop. So what I did was like take a drum beat, cut it up, then mix, mi- like did this whole like this just mix paste everything on one channel, and built these tracks, and then I got fruity loops, and just progressed from there really. Mm. Oh, so. That's cool. So you basically had just had to overcome your limitations, basically, which push you creatively, I guess, in that way. Yeah, and I, I, and another thing that that I was really happy about was uh, when I was little, when I was like eight, I wanted to play, really wanted to play the clarinet when I was at primary school. I don't know why. And the, the headmaster got me in the office and was like, here's a clarinet, there's you. This clarinet's bigger than you, so it's like, you need to find a different instrument. So like, they, so I ended up sort of take, it was like, why don't you play the violin? So I ended up playing the violin for like five years. Like really? from when I was eight to 14, I got up to grade five, I got up to the grade, grade five, and then you had to do a theory test, and that sort of like turned me off a little bit. But, um, 
and then I was I got to sort of 14 at school and I sort of like violin became very uncool so I I, I hung up the violin for the decks but actually what the violin taught me was I think good sort of a good ear because you've got no frets or keys on a violin you've just got to place your fingers where the notes are so I think it gave me a really good bass I guess for just pitching and musicality I think yeah just generally it yeah. sounds like yeah did, did, did any kind of tracks I, I mean you said about Queen and Sting and Police and things do any tracks kind of have stuck with you all these years that when you hear it you're just like whoa that sends me back I mean, <laughs> just immediately the one, and it's not necessarily my favourite Queen song, but one that me and my brothers, because I've got two brothers, used to laugh at in the car, was that Fat Bottom Girls, you know, it's like, Fat Bottom Girls, we just used to laugh, you know, it's a silly school thing. I think, no, I don't think really anything's just, I'm just, like, I'm just a real sucker for hooky melodies. That's my thing, that's my bag. If you give me a hooky melody, I'll be happy. Who's making good hooky melodies right now? I really love like what Calvin Harris has done recently, you know, and just the simplicity of his of the songwriting and the top lines that he's done for those tracks. You know, like we found love. It's the same. It's the same melody and verse and chorus. It's such a strong hook that he hasn't needed to go anywhere else with that record. Mm. I think my modern day songwriting, like new hero, I think. I guess it's quite a big strong word, but I'm I'm just a massive fan of Labyrinth. Like like just. It was one of those, just like when I first heard, uh, when I first heard the Tony Temper track, just the melodies, it was in the production. I just think Labyrinth's got the just amazing hooks, you know, and then the, obviously Emily Sande and yeah, I mean that for me that's just like, it just felt like a new era of pop music would come through, you know. Mm. So I think, yeah, I think, I think that'd be the strongest for me. Okay, so. You said you got onto a Dexter on 15. At what age were you kind of taking that public? Well, I was in a band first, like this sort of, from the drum and bass thing. I sort of decided that I wanted to to gig. So when I, so just sort of, but when I got to about 18, I started sort of working with a couple of local singers and um, and this sort of, this rapper. And then decided, just had this sort of idea to to use the computer in a live show and I just did this band called Nebulae which is a sort of a I don't know what it was it's like a poppy drum and bass thing and I mean it's like even though I really like the dirty sort of music I was always a stickler for the melody I always go back to these like mm. hooks so when I came to like I was working with these singers and um, I was writing the music for it I'd never even sort of thought about singing at this point or anything so then I'd be producing all this sort of music and then there was a sort of group of people, and I think it is really important to have a strong, you know, people that you trust around you, musically, you know, that you can share, like, who you were into, and you trust their opinions. Yeah. There's a group of people that I used to just to hang around with or whatever, and uh, I just did, one day I, d I just had this idea for a hook, and I thought, do you know what? I'm just going to sing it. And I and so I sung this hook, and it went like, this is my first impression of you, baby. And I know oh, oh, I'm feeling real, basically. So I did this hook on this like drum and bass track, and I was absolutely. I thought I was thinking, does this sound? You know, like you sort of just like, does this sound alright? I don't know. Does it? Is it? it is it? Have I completely off the page? So I took it. I put it on this track, and I used to play these guys like some new music that I was doing. You know, I'm talking about people that you're like a tent circle of friends, you know, ten of you. 
I went in, I just played, played I've got, got a couple of new songs and I played, played them and I didn't tell him I sung. And then the, the hook coming out was like, really, it's like I was going to perform. I was thinking that I could get absolutely destroyed here. They'd be like, what the, what's that, you know? But um, yeah, and they were like, who's, is that, is that you sick? That sounds great, you know? So it's like, so that was the first moment I sort of got into a singer. And then I started to write choruses for the group and then the girls would sing the verses and the raps and then I'd do chorus. So it's sort of like, so that was the first outing and we, um, we actually won, we actually, we sort of took it on the road, just played locally and just tried to do everything we could. And actually we, we did, we played in Birmingham a lot and then we got on the radar. There's, there was a thing called Diesel U Music and um, I'm not sure if it's still going now, but we managed to win the dance category of this Diesel U Music Award and played at Fabric and it was on Channel oh. 4 and Edith Bowman presented it. So that was like my first, first outing into that, you know. Mm. And then finished that because it became quite difficult. I felt like I was the youngest in the band and we had like six of us and it then it sort of became very stressful looking after a lot of egos in the band. There was a few clashes going on so I decided to, to finish that, have a little break. But I had the bug, I had the bug for life, you know, I had that sort of, yeah we had some good gigs and I just, I knew in my heart that's what I wanted to do, to, to, to at least try hard to go out and just just get that feel of smashing the show because it's like there is nothing better than that feeling and then I had a mate who was uh, my best mate actually who'd, who'd been through you know seen me musically and he'd always like had tried to to sort of rap and stuff and he kept sending me stuff and it was like really bad at the start <laughs> but he just kept going like persevere persevere and then got to a point where he sent me this rap and I was like, oh, this, is, this is really, this is really good actually. And uh, I did a hook and it was like completely different sound to the Nebula thing, but it's more like, it was more very poppy, like hip hoppy sort of sound. So we decided to form this group called Beat Bullies and did that for another six, seven years or something. You know, so we started building a following up in Swindon and got, re you know, really successful. I mean, we were sort of, we could sell four to five hundred tickets in Swindon, you know, not on a like a weekly basis, but I mean, we did a gig every few months. You know, we got to the point where we had p people coming from outside Swindon to see us, and we were travelling all all around, um, get some great feedback, and and then I mean, I was really hurt. it was it was a great laugh. But it was you know after f sort of four or five years of that, I mean, it's, it does take its toll on you. You know, it's like we, I had no idea about the music industry at this point, or how to get into it, or or anything. So we were just sort of like going to you know, playing, and sort of th there could be a record producer that would be, you know, you got this sort of mad idea that oh, well, yeah. if, we, if we play there, play there, play there, then someone's gonna come in and hear, watch yeah. us. And I mean, I, I guess it happens, but n n knowing what I know now, it's get to London and try and make your mark in London. <laughs> because we didn't do that. We might have played a few gigs in London, but Swindon we didn't concentrate on London. Do you know what I mean? Which yeah. I think I would, if I knew, what was it? If I knew then what I know now, I would have really concentrated on trying to make a mark in London. But hey, that was, that's life. And, um, <laughs> but so I was ready to give up the band actually. And then there was a local uh, radio show called BBC. Well, it, it, it's, it was like BBC introducing, uh, and Radio One's Big Weekend was coming to Swindon. 
So they'd contacted Wiltshire, uh, what's it called? Let's just say it was, B- it was pre-BBC introducing show for Wiltshire as a county. They were coming to Swindon, so they needed to pick acts. Or they gave the opportunity for us to, or them to pick a couple of acts to go into a pool of new bands that get to play the introducing stage. So great for us because we'd had this massive following and we'd all be getting local plays on radio and stuff like that and you know so it was between us and this indie band called Alphonse who are really talented guys these young guys from Swindon yeah Yeah, they're really good they've they've split up now and it was us or them but I think but so they we both went into uh, this I don't know whatever it is the BBC introducing machine and then it like went up to I, I, I don't know how it worked. I think they were saying it was like you know it gets a hundred bands get picked and then it, 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 you know there's a panel. But anyway, Hugh Stevens heard it, heard what we were doing, and I mean we were doing different stuff. It wasn't really anything like what we were doing. I mean we were going from a ballad to a dubstep tune. Yeah, it's you know quite, you can it's imagine like the, the sort of range of it. I mean, it, it's and Hugh Stevens became he, he was a real he was a real fan. So we got a few plays, our first plays on Radio 1 introducing. I mean, that was, for me, a really special moment. That's a, that's I a mean, landmark, really, yeah. really special. I mean, you've sort of, just for your whole life, it's the sort of thing that you, you wish. And just like one day, you're just like, oh my God, we're on, like, and then the great thing about it was like, on the, we were playing on the Sunday in the, and we were first on in the, in the tent. I think we was on at 12 or... We threw everything at the project. I mean, we would get everyone involved, local press. We'd do every, anything you can to raise awareness of the band. We'd go and do charity events. We'd go to schools. We'd do this. You know, we 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 just thought if you're gonna, and I think this is a real lesson: is if no matter what you do, you throw everything at it because there's going to be someone around the corner doing that. And if you're not doing that, then you're not going to succeed, like the man around the corner doing it. I think. And if it fails, at least you look back and think, well, I give it all. You know. And I think that's really important throughout in anything in life. But, but yeah, so we got the local papers to support us, and we were on at twelve, and then we got, we was like we was waiting behind stage, and it was the first time we was gonna be. It was all filmed live, and we were like, oh my god, this is just crazy. What's going on? And we were like, are people gonna turn up? Is there gonna be like two people in the tent? You know, you got that sort of, and couldn't even look to see it. Like our family was there, you know, uh-huh. everything. Like my my youngest child like was he was like two he was in the audience and I was just like I couldn't look because I didn't want it to be like a sort of anti-climax just peeked out like the drummer's like I was like what's that he's like have you seen it out there I was like what 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 he goes it is rammed there was like 200 people trying to get in the tent whole place was just buzzing it was so funny it just came out and like everyone's singing the songs because everyone knew the songs uh it's a big moment for us and for me it was like well because I was ready to give up before we got the big weekend thing. And I was like, well, you know, do you know what? Let's let's ride this out and see how far we take it now, you know. And yeah, the rest is history. Amazing. We ended up, you know, we managed to get to the point of um, releasing an album, recording and releasing an album. We toured, you know, toured with N-Dubs and did the arena tour with JLS. And what was that like? That must have just been amazing. Must have been- I mean, that was there was a moment on the JLS tour that, that that I thought actually there's a track I've done called Pieces which is a big ballad moment and that 
and there was a as a point, and it was the we used to alternate as a support acts. So like you'd be on first one night, middle, the next night, and then main support. So we alternate. And luckily on the O2 dates we were middle support and main support. And then the main support night when we we walked out, it was just like eighteen thousand people. It was just uh, I'd just never seen any. I mean it was just amazing. And like the rapper was just a amazing with the crowds I mean he just sort of had him like putty I mean I'm, I'm not I wouldn't consider myself a, a massive showman you know um, which is why I think we worked because I was more bringing the musicality and the, the singing and the rapper was the energy and the performance I used to see him like a bit of a Pied Piper if he if he's if he was in a room with him he'd say oh pick that pen up for me and he'd be like oh yeah yeah right and then you're like, why did I just do that for you? Like, you're closer to the pen. You know, it's like that mentality then. I think that's important to have as a performer, that sort of reach when you're sort of, you know, you, people are coming in. But yeah, so we got to this pieces, this ballad moment, and I'll I never forget it. I mean, I just started singing, and the rapper had already, like, done his verse, and he'd got everyone waving their arms side to side, and it was like, I just looked up, and I sang this chorus, and it's like a really emotional, like, a moving song for me anyway. It's a really honest song and just saw like from head like floor to ceiling just this like everyone hands back and forth da, da. I was like oh do you know what you can't buy this I mean this is just a genuine moment I thought do you know what seven years or like six years later this is this is this is this is all I need this is this is payment enough I mean I'll never and I'll never forget it ever in my life Cool. And we used to just like they used to have we had, like we had a track called Bounce. It's like Bounce, come on, Bounce, come on. It's so easy chorus. I mean, it's almost too easy. But what it did was it enabled us to immediately connect with the audience, whether it's in a club or a big show like that. We just had people jumping up and down straight away. You know, it's mm. like you come in with that, and everyone's like, "Yeah, this is really yeah, this is like." I think that's really important to have a range. And I think actually like, for, for us why we worked actually was to have a range of songs you know to actually take people on a bit of a journey so like we but we could instantly connect with audiences which is why we always got us back to do gigs and you know yeah. why we sort of even if we had like a four track performance to a brand new audience we'd start with bounce do a moment and then end with like a big drum, a drum and bass record or something just had the tr had the crowd within minutes you know I think it's important so now you're working solo and you're writing s solo basically how does that differ to your time with Beat Bullies? Like if I hadn't have done Beat Bullies and done the whole back of the van touring and uh, done all that I would have always wanted to have done that you know and as a band and as like a sort of uh, I don't know what you call it camaraderie like going out as a team like it's like a football team I mean it's just good just the lad so I always would have yearned that but there was always something like in me that even throughout the band which was difficult when you're in a band is that you, you get a sound I mean we had a sound with Beat Bullies and I actually got quite tired of it you know but I wanted to take what my I loved about it which was the sort of pop sensibility and stuff like that so it's sort of natural for me to when I finished to sort of just start writing anything that's what I wanted to do just write anything yeah and I always wanted to go into writing for other people and with other people, because I'd never really, ever till last year, I mean, we worked with a few people on the Beat Bullies project, Jim Elliott being one of them, who's like one of my heroes now. 
but never done any sort of co-writing really you just wrote and to- yeah really just kept it really insular and I mean actually like again if I knew then what I knew now I, I would have really w- gone out and worked with as many different writers and because I think it does work if you if you do it on your own and I mean you know there's been a lot of really successful artists that that have persevered on their own and got their own sound and done it and I mean but for me it was like I just like being a sponge and soaking up I, I go into every time I leave a session I, I have learned something else and even if the session was a bad session I've learned something else you know you might do a, a cliched lyric in there and you listen to it a few days later and go why that why did I use that lyric it just sticks out like a sore thumb but then you never use that lyric again just like make all of your mistakes to make you better, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, for me it was like, so we finished the band, did our last gig, it was good. And then through my managers kept going and and we started to look at doing sessions and writing sessions. And So we started writing sessions and then it dawned on me that I've got a lot to learn, you know? And I've got, and, and not in a bad way, like, you know, you've got a lot to learn, but like, I can't wait, and I, it like made me really hungry, you know. Um, and it, as we persevered through, like the next six months, it really became prominent that it's, I, I was good enough to do it. Uh, I still had a lot to learn, and I still I've still got a lot to learn. But I mean, we sort of worked because I do produce, but I mean, it was really lyric and top line that that started. Sh- shining shining through so yeah and then just kept going had bad sessions used cliche lyrics hated myself loved myself and then managed to sign with warner obviously which which was a great a massive help for me and a really big boost uh at christmas just been it's just i think the one thing that that's that's important and 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 i don't want it to stop is that it's feels like it's exponentially growing me as a writer at the moment and I mean I feel like I'm right at the bottom of the ladder at the moment you know but I feel the more the more I do the more I learn the more people I'm with mm. the more I soak up the better everything's getting and now it's like you know it's the last few months has been really exciting it sounds like know? things have been a bit turbulent and things yeah. are kind of smoother is that what yeah I think I think but I mean it's good to be turbulent I mean I think what I think I'm, what I've sort of learned from because I've only been really writing for other people, even from get go, from finishing the band for about I'd say writing for other people, but you know, first of all, you're just writing songs to pitch to other people, you know. So now I'm in, now I've got the opportunity to write with people for artists and stuff. So I go back to all these songs that I did at the start, and I mean, I must write. You must have been doing sort of three or four songs a week, you know, five songs a week, whatever. All the mistakes, just, just make all the mistakes. Do it. Just, just, just do it, and then never make them again. So now, when, when we're sort of stuck for lyrics, and you, I'll never go back to a lyric that you're just happy with. You just, you know, just spend that extra quarter of an hour. Work hard on it, basically. Mm. Don't make the mistake that when you listen back, you're gonna be like. Uh, why did I do that? Be excited all the time. Mm. So yeah, so I mean, but it feels like, you know, even through the band, I mean, 
this is what I was meant to do. This is what I want to do. This is what I believe I'm going to be successful at doing. Mm. You know? And that I think the more I do it, the, the more clear it's coming mm. and what I need to learn and what I need to do and who I need to work with. And and obviously we work, you, you find you find people that um, you work well with and you make sure you go back to those mm. people. But always make sure you're working with new people, I mm. think. So just find that sort of... Say you go into a session. It's a bit like performing, I guess, when you're sort of writing. Because you meet the producer and the artist. And like within 30 minutes or... You might have a little chat for a bit, but within 30 minutes you're writing, you know, with people you've never met before. So I think it's... You've got to be socially open to immediately try and connect with someone mm. or connect with the music. But I mean, I really think that it's if you've got a bad vibe in the room, then nothing's going to happen. Do you know what I mean? So it's like you've got to get on with people to do this game, I think. Mm. You've really got to be able to get on with people. Unless you're a complete genius. And like, but and really annoying. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So what's your process? So back to the roots, like I was talking about with them, like melody is always the first thing I'll go yeah. with. The great thing is actually that the first out, the one of the first uh, places I ever sort of wrote at was Xenomania with Brian Higgins. He gave me an opportunity to go down and they're very big on um, the first moment of the song. Uh, I mean, they just want you to connect with the song and record instantly what what you would do and I used to painstakingly go over melodies in my head and go is that right is that right and not really work on the fly so like the time at Xenomania really taught me like to to capture everything in the moment you get it so like within so if I so mainly I'm going in as a top line or melody and lyrics you know so I would never want anyone to play me this song so if you say you had a beat for me I'd be like don't play me the beat because I'm, I'm, you know, I'd, I, if I, I just want to hear it where, when I'm ready to write, you know, because you want that first 20 seconds. I think is super important. So they'll play, they'd start playing the beat or whatever, or play some chords. I'd immediately have my voice memo on, and I'd be doing a melody. And you might, you might not get it. You might not connect with the track, and then you move on. You know, there's no point. And that's another thing. If you're not connecting with the music, just move on. I've painstakingly tried to write a song or something I'm, I'm, I think's okay. And, and it's time. never worked. I've spent two, a weekend on trying to... I'm thinking, I should be able to... Why can't I just get this hook? It's because, you know, maybe someone else will get the hook. But if you can't connect with that song, and I mean, it, you do need to connect with the chords and the music and the sound. And I think that's like... Well, it's another thing, make the mistake. Spend that weekend doing it and ha coming out with an average song because you'll never do it again mm. so now it's like okay if it's not working let's move on you know mm. but yeah so 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 immediately it's like going get the melody and also like having taglines and I'm, i mean what i've sort of learned is that just always thinking about lyrics and especially like the lines of you know important lines of the song that would be a, like the tagline you know of a chorus and having them read, you know, having a list of ideas and concepts for records. So if like on the day, you know, because you, you're not going to be able to come up with great lyrics every... I mean, I can't. I mean, I'm much more of a melody guy and lyrics are a bit harder, but some, you know, but you should always just be open to 
open to the world. I mean, any something you know, just stuff you hear on the films or anything. You know, I mean, just stuff you think sounds exciting. And Can you give us an example of a tagline that like you've heard or you've got? Yeah, there's a, there's one that I thought uh, that I did in Sweden that I've I've not actually heard the mix, but uh, it's called "Who Said That Love Is Dead." So it's like, who said that love is dead? Because it's not, it's alive, it's everywhere. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, so I had that before and I was working with uh, uh, Two Stripes production, which is uh, the guys that did Tiny Tempers, Written in the Stars, you know, Eric Turner and that. And I I went in, I was thinking about that, not on the day, but I'd already had the idea for the line. So we go in, I go in, and I've been on the beers actually the night before with with everyone in Sweden, which was uh, we'd gone to watch a band. So I was feeling a little bit hungover actually, and I was like, ah, oh. started playing these amazing chords, and I just came up literally first twenty seconds melody, then it was like you said the love is dead. That was the tag, and then just built the song from that. And I mean, it was you know, it's, so yeah, so it's it's important because like it's important to look at that maybe not even on the day, but then sometimes stuff does come up on the day. So somewhere in the chorus, do you have that line? Do you see yeah. that line, basically? And it's all about, you know, the song is based around that 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 line. I mean, who said the love is dead? Okay, cool. You know, it's and then that's happens happened with a lot. Seeing there's another song I wrote, if you love me, let me go. You know, it's like it's stuff. You know, it's like stuff that you you kind of you can latch onto, and you can actually. If I said if you love me, let you go, you could probably tell me loads of situations that would work. You know, it's like what what can travel and what what can i think what can people what can people like take for for them from the song mm. you know when when you're writing for others how personal do you get to the song do you give yourself like do, do themes from your own life start kind of cropping up so you, the one you said was if you love me let me go that's quite like that's quite a big kind of theme to put out to a song do you give yourself to your song like that well, I'd, I mean, I've been through the mill, so I've... Uh, had some experiences. I've had some experiences yeah. in my life, you know. So, I mean, it's like... I guess I would, yeah. And, but then, you know, we've all... you don't, we, We've all seen... and f- You know, you watch a film and you feel the film and you feel you've got... I think as a songwriter, you've got to be very empathetic. So you've got to understand how people hurt and how people laugh and how people you know not necessarily if you've been in that situation but if you're empathetic of if you've got real empathy with people i mean you can almost write their story do you know what i mean so it's not like you have to have gone through that but i mean you know i've lost people you know it's sort of it's we've all been there but i think you do you're always going to draw on your some of your experience Mm. but also like you can draw on everyone else's as well at the same Mm. time But if you're with an artist, I think it's you know it's it's I think it's important as a writer to let them like breathe and um, they're the artists. See what what do they want to say? Yeah, I was gonna say. And it's almost like you know if it's if they don't know what they want to say, then I'll sort of give them something to say. But if things important to let the artist say what they want to say and just you know offer what you've got mel- melodically or lyrically help you know and sort of steer them in right directions i think okay. and just be that sort of 
that sort of hand on the shoulder. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think it's important for the artist to feel like they're saying what they want. I think. Yeah, of course, because it's their name, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it sounds like you, the process is you kind of hit some chords and then the first thing that comes into your head, yeah, you go with it. Well, them. like, th- it's top line and I mean, it's the often the, the, yeah, they'll hit the chords, so I'll just get, fire loads of melodies down do and then one will start, like, coming out. There'll be one that is probably usually the first one I do. It just sticks out. Yeah, and then you sort of try and do it a little bit like a, you know, as say say someone played a backing track, the pre-chorus and a chorus and then a verse, and you'd almost try and sort of sing a song or represent a song, and words might stick out and like come out. And I really like to sort of have the shape of the record, even if there's no lyrics. I mean, I feel like the lyrics start popping out, like as you're doing the shape for me. Yeah. You know, so you could have that. Who said that love is dead? And then. I sort of know that's a really strong idea and we're going to go with it but let's how do we get there melodically you know and what what's the right what's the right um what do you call it what's the what's the right shape for that or what's the right blanket for that that line what what melodically is going to so that for me that was quite a sort of a strong emotion so the track was like strong emotionally so it's like you want a big melody, something that's going to rouse and sort of get ting, you know, tingles. You know, you know, it's sort of like if you were doing a sort of quite a comedic type, don't give a whatever. You know, you can make it a bit more jolly, but like the melody a bit more happy and sort of. So I think it's important melodically to know, to make sure you marry the two together. You can't sort of, but then maybe you don't have to. I mean, it's that's the thing about music. You just do whatever you want. But I big think, so what was it saying? Fail big. Fail big. Don't be scared to fail, I think. You know, because I think you've got to just... I mean, it's it's, it's quite nerve-wracking when you go in. It worked at the start for me when I was going in with different people and lots of different people because you're sort of opening up. You you sort of basically open and say, <laughs> it's not like you're singing a song, you're trying to make one. It's like, you want people, two people to turn around and go, what are you doing? <laughs> what? That is rubbish. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like, everyone's scared to fail. I think once you can like come to terms with failing, I think, do you know what, sod it. I, I just, I do whatever comes out. And maybe it'll be good and maybe it'll be bad, but who cares? Mm. Maybe it'll be good. You know, if it is good, great. If it's yeah. bad, I'll do it again, do another one. Yeah. I think, but then it's the belief in, you know, you can sort of like, but then you just got, you got to believe in yourself at the same time to fail. You gotta believe that all right, you might fail, but you know you've got the talent to to do it again mm. and on another day. Yeah. Away. Know when to walk away, but do it on another day. Mm. You know. So, so. so, writing with an artist and they're kind of dictating where the song's going. Does your writing process change in any way, do you, or do you yourself start putting the chords down and then you wait for the melody line, or they might come up with the melody line? Well. I've sort of been working my way up to artists now, so it's like very recently I've started to actually get the opportunity to, to go in with the artists. So when I was in Sweden, I was writing with this girl called Amanda Fondell, who's like the Swedish Idol winner. We'd come up with this sort of really strong, like really great, I mean, she had a voice like, I'm gonna, this is going to sound <laughs> sound really big, but it's like a cross between Amy Winehouse and Adele. It's like really strong voice. And I, we came to the lyrics and I just said to her, do you know what? what do you want to say? I mean, and she was like, I ain't got a clue. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she goes, I don't do lyrics. So then that gave me the, the room to, the room to just sort of lyrically go. But then, 
I was with an artist yesterday. I won't name names, but um, she took you know she took the lead and was came up with a really strong idea and and then I sort of developed it with her you know and it was a sort it's a different thing but I think it felt right you know to do that rather than forcing something into the artist mm. saying well you you should write about this and then like, well, well no nah. what yeah. do you mean no I shouldn't I wanted to, I got something to say it's me you know I'm the one who's got to stand on stage and sing it yeah. I mean you can just but be, I guess you could tell them if it's a bad idea don't know. I haven't had to do that yet, but oh. <laughs> I'm sure that gets quite awkward. I'm sure it will happen. I think one it's day. like it's the same thing about rapport. I mean, you know, you've got to leave your ego at the door at the studio. I mean, you've got you've got to be able to take criticism. I think you've got to be able to. As soon as like, if you said, oh, you know, that that's I'm not happy. With, uh, you know, that's not. If you said it with sort of malice or they're the whole session could be over as soon as you like cut into someone it's like be constructive with it don't be don't be demeaning with it you know is oh it, what you've done there is rubbish is, is like, it worth waiting until the end of the session or would you just no no you've got to do it on the fly you can't because otherwise the you know you build up there's no point there's no point what I've learned to do which seems to work is no matter how silly or trivial even if it's a word and even if you've just got to say it to come back and not use it Anything that you, you know, when you've got that little voice in your head or in your gut, and you just, as soon as you hear it, just say it. Because if you don't say it, it'll eat away at you. And then you say it at the end, and it'll be like, oh, we could have. You don't know what's, you don't know what word's gonna change the direction of the song. Or a little, just a little mistake. Or how about this? And they might say, well, not that word, but how about this? And then it takes a direction. I mean, it's just this ever evolving thing between people in the room it's really ex it can be really exciting that's what I love about it it's just you, you go there with nothing and you come out with a song I mean it's just amazing who wouldn't enjoy that yeah. who wouldn't enjoy building something like that every day you know it sounds like um, this is a new type of exciting for you because like obviously being on stage singing yeah. supporting JLS was pretty huge yeah. that was exciting yeah and massively exciting and now this is like a, a new type of exciting for you well, I think I think like what I've realised is the contrast between me and the rapper from the band I mean we did have like loads of young fans and they'd all want like photos and you know he would like lap it up and he'd love it and we, that was his sort of bag but I'd see people dancing moving and I think actually when I look back it wasn't so much me that I wanted to sell it was like I couldn't believe that they were dancing to my music you know that was like that oh my god like we're actually rocking a crowd with my music that I started in a bedroom years ago. And yeah. it's like, um, so, 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 so for me, it was like, the, I think the music was exciting, but yeah, this is like, I didn't think that it would be this exciting. Do you feel like you're missing out on anything? Or nah, because no? I feel like I've done it. Yeah. And you've, you've I mean, that box. I, yeah, I mean, I've ticked that box and I mean, the fact that I'm not missing it. I mean, of course I'd like, but I used to get really nervous performing. Well, I don't think I could be a solo artist. So you're not looking to gig? No, just no, not at all. I mean, I might, I don't know. I don't know. I, you met when I'm older and you a night with a uh, bully <laughs> or something, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It makes sense. No, yeah. I don't know. Nothing, but nothing like, it's a hard road to get on and I need to have a sort of an outcome if I wanted to do that. And I mean, I guess actually the thing, uh, the thing that's really cool for me at the moment is that um, I'm doing these sort of dance top lines and I'll be, I'll necessarily like start to write them for other people and then, the, the producer just come back and say oh, I want to use your voice 
So like I've got like early cuts with like this Norwegian band CLMD and Mbox, these guys that was on the um, Swedish House Mafia album. And then a, actually a big one that I'm actually recording tonight. I won't say who it is, but sure. um, that I'm that I'll be on the next single as the vocal. So it's like so you're featuring yeah so no. it's, but but I'm not I'm not I don't I'm not sure if I want to fit I don't know what I'm going to do I, I'm not bothered about creating a profile like that I would just want to write songs mm. and if they want to use my voice great but I don't bothered about going f you know featuring bully I, I don't I've done all that I've done Facebook I've met fans it's like I feel too old for that that's <laughs> bad to say it but I don't know. It's just that's not the side that excited me. I think music excited me, mm. and that's becomes more evident the more I'm like mm. the more I'm the more I go on this journey. You know, but it's a great. It's, I look forward to waking up every day now. That's know? cool. I mean, just yeah, it's really good. You, it sounds like you don't really know where you're going to be next week. It's, it's always I don't, like and that's what I love. And that's the thing is that for me in my life, I mean, this this job doesn't. It's not for anyone who's got a tidy room or like likes things in one place. I mean, who knows where they're gonna be in like next week or the week after, or like wants to get to get up at eight and go to finish work at five. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I work many hours. You know, I'll go home like when was I? Did big session yesterday. Got back. I had to travel back to Swindon and I was still up, but like this morning I had to get out do this mm. got another session today finished that session at 5 got another session at 6 to 10 I mean but I love it I mean it's like go and do the best job in the world and I mean if you can make it a success even better you know mm. which I'm planning hopefully to do <laughs> very cool yeah I mean I don't feel I feel like I've just got a real opportunity now to to breathe and become the best you can be you know? and people want you to become the best you yeah. can be and it's great so it's yeah, really happy thank you Billy for coming in and chatting to us about your songwriting no problem it's really quite exciting the the uh, the future you've got ahead of you and things hope so yeah. hope so I'm going to I'm going to believe 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 it achieve it I think so it seems to be working out for you so yeah good. But thanks for having me well thank you for yeah. that coming take care Cheers. I was really surprised by how open he got uh, especially about trusting certain people and only trusting those people to talk about songwriting and listening to stuff they liked. It seems like there's a mutual respect going on in that small little... He said about 10 people, didn't he? Um, I found that really inter interesting. And like whether like songwriters should try and find like a little niche community that they pass stuff to and say, check this out. I've heard this or I've written this. What do you think about this? Is this too much or is this a bad idea? I think I was blown away by how much he like just got so into his story of, of the BBC Big Weekend and touring with JLS. This isn't normal stuff. It's it's exciting to see somebody get so emotional about a massive point in their life, basically. And just so you know, you can find Bully on Twitter at Bully Songs. Until next time. <laughs>